Welcome back. How you doing? Hello, friends. It's Naomi Caravani. And I'm Michelle Greenson. I was asking you, though, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm, uh, you know, gaining followers every minute on threads. Real <laughs> dopamine rush. Hell getting, yeah. Uh, getting right into my veins. Fuck yeah. My first experience posting on threads. Okay, I posted a joke. Hey, here's a question nobody can answer or I wants to this. address. Where is my vape? People commented there. There's a feature on threads where you can comment without liking the post. <laughs> I'm very against this feature. Wait, you can do that on any I platform. know, but they should ban that. <laughs> look in the fridge. Look at the nightstand. Oh. This was a joke, you idiots. Yeah. If you live under a rock or if you're well adjusted. This week, the biggest social media company in the world gave us just what we need, a new social media app. And when I first heard about this, I was like, oh my God, great. Another fucking app for me to stalk my crush on, like as if checking his Twitter likes, Instagram following, Snapchat score, Twitch and Be Real every day wasn't enough of a waste of my time. Oh my God. At least I'm not on Be Real. That's my one last shred of dignity. <laughs> but I guess, you know, this is technology. Threads is a new app from Meta. You can use your Instagram account to log in. <laughs> your Instagram. This is technology. I guess we need to fucking talk about it. We're a technology podcast. Podcast. But yeah. yeah, Meta is getting in the game and Twitter's not happy about it. Yeah. They're like, you stole this idea, obviously, but I mean, go after Meta's lawyers. They, they're, yeah, Twitter, they have even a fucking army. Twitter threatened of lawyers. to sue. They both have an army of lawyers, but whose lawyers are more Jewish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter did threaten to sue Meta over threads. Um, I feel like I should do a news voice for this. In a letter sent to Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg, Twitter lawyer Alex Spiro accused Meta of hiring former Twitter employees who, quote, had and continue to have access to Twitter's trade secrets. Ooh. The letter by Spiro continues, quote, Twitter intends to strictly enforce its intellectual property rights and demands that Meta take immediate steps to stop using any Twitter trade secrets. Spiro did not respond to a cargo cult request for comment. Oh, what a bitch. Yeah, I mean... I did get sucked in, I'm not gonna lie. I got sucked in. <laughs> yeah. But something about the dark mode is off. I can't put my finger on what. Something's like... The dark, about it. you know, they're trying to no, no sex, no porn. And that mm. was something that a lot of people went to Twitter for. And it's really sad for them. You know, sex workers aren't going to be operating on that platform. Yeah, but which is the real loss, I guess. I mean, it's going to be like a political Twitter in the beginning, I think. Like even Adam Asseri, the Instagram CEO, was like, what do you say? He was like, politics and news are important. But from a platform perspective, it's not worth it. Do you want that? You want the clip? Oh, yeah. You have a clip? of Adam Masseri. Sure. Adam Masseri, the Instagram guy, first of all, has the vibes of a kindergarten teacher who breaks and starts to explain to the yeah. children why he's going through a divorce. That's his, his overall vibe. I think his kind of cute. I like that. He is kind of cute him. and he does have his initials embroidered on oh. his front pocket like yeah. as if. Mm. I mean, a lot of rich men have that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You do this linen jacket belongs to me. All right. Well, here we go, Adam Masseri. Bring a lot of the good tools from Instagram to threads. Things like hidden words and restrict, which allow you to shape the experience into something a little bit more friendly. Things like our community guidelines. And over time, more features around recommendations, 
and trends. We're also working to. We don't need this. I don't think. Okay. That's, that's enough of that. I think. Oh, okay. It's like I mean, you know, they're copycatting. <laughs> yeah. This is the tech world. Like copycatting is the mo, especially of companies like Facebook. Like Instagram Stories is basically a copy of Snap Stories, and you know, Facebook slash Instagram slash Meta, whatever its name is today, um, has so much market power that it can just take products that are successful and build a copycat version of them and people will be there because they already have so many users um so there's that but then they also seize on a window because there's a lot of frustration with twitter right now like twitter's losing advertisers (laughs) it's losing users (laughs) yeah musk was like you were limiting your posts go touch grass outside but he just like ran out of money to pay the (laughs) fucking google cloud servers yeah so yeah Musk keeps on fucking up with Twitter. <laughs> it was like a big win for Meta. And the thing about Mosseri saying like politics and hard news like should not be what the platform is about, like kind of trying to spin this as a moral crusade instead of admitting what's probably the truth, which is that it's just more profitable right now to be apolitical and advertiser friendly as a social media platform. You can't create a forum on the internet without controversy. Like, yeah, no, I don't think they're not banning politics and hard news. Which they're is just what not is, pushing it. Yeah. yeah, well, that's I think that's the, their goal. Like, we'll see what happens. I mean, like Instagram is such a such an advertiser friendly place these days. Like Twitter's strength. Like, obviously, there were a lot of controversies um, during the 2016 election, 2020 election. It's a platform owned and operated by billionaires. It's never going to be for us, but yada, yada, yada. But at least there's, like, kind of this equalization that happens on Twitter where, like, I have an account and Ted Cruz has an account. Or, like... Same content. Same concepts. Yeah, liking porn. (laughs) Yeah. Liking porn, talking about um, critical race theory. Yeah. I mean, like, it was a platform for debate, which is nice. So I guess we'll see what Threads turns into. But it is a a smart marketing move for Meta to be like, this is not Twitter. Because you already see, like, a lot of liberals who hate Twitter, like, taking up a home on Threads. Yeah. Everybody's coming to Threads. Even if they're, like, billionaire Satanists are running threads they're like <laughs> follow my st- threads to learn more uh, yeah you can't avoid controversy on there like writers posted within hours of launch threads accounts seen by reuters were posting about the illuminati billionaire satanists while other users compared each other to nazis no shit <laughs> i mean like have you met people on the internet like that's gonna happen yeah. <laughs> but there is some good news with the launch of threads, they're apparently doing what Mastodon did, which uh, is another microblogging service. Microblogging sounds awful. We're not to be confused with microneedling, which is a form of threading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But they launched threads on these open servers. They haven't ruled out the interoperability features yet. But apparently in the future, if you want to leave threads, you can maintain your audience there and reach them from another server. So this is the first big company to embrace open servers. So soon we're going to be able to cross post and all that stuff. But it's not rolled out yet. And since Meta is going to come down with a heavy hand when they deal with censorship and uh, whatever they decide is controversial, like criticizing the cops probably or any kind of it's usually leftist things so that get shut down before conservative things. But they're they're just going to like block whole servers. So in the end, it could be worse for the people who right. have open servers. But it's good news for like the tech nerds out there who are like, we want open servers and they got it with this. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously privacy issues like Threads is collecting sensitive personal information about you. All of this information can be collected and sent to third parties. All of this 
if you read the terms and conditions, can be sent to quote-unquote service providers and quote-unquote analytics partners, which usually just means advertising and marketing firms. But it's beyond that because it probably also means intelligence agencies. And then there's also data about your bodies, all the health yeah, and fitness no stuff. No one can know my BMI. But why do you <laughs> always, why is your instinct always to like laugh it off? I'm trying to make a make joke. Make it funny. Of- but yeah. understood <laughs> I, but, but, but this is a pattern I've noticed with us whenever I talk about like data being collected on us you like create an example that's like really innocuous like when I talked about the electricity stuff and like all the um electric stoves or whatever and you were like she always meal preps on sunday nights and it's like that's obviously like silly data that probably can't be used against Mm -hmm. me by anyone except advertisers but my energy usage should be private shouldn't it yeah my main point is this it's not just about companies and government agencies having your data because they can then sell you stuff it's also because there are a lot of organizations with a lot of money and power whose stated goal is to capture all the data on society so that they can then predict what people are going to do and influence what people are going to do. And Mm. the more data gets collected, the more they are coming closer to achieving this. And that would be great if they were working on behalf of the public interest or whatever to like make us healthier and happier. But it would be the first time they did it for that. And I guess like for me, I'm not like I'm annoyed yeah, that my data but like is. But to me, it's like not about me. Like I don't think anything specifically is going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. But it's more just about the general trend of all of this data being housed by a handful of corporations with strong relationships to intelligence agencies that have a history of suppressing dissent and all that bullshit. But anyway, was the boring? <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> trying to make. Asleep. I'm gonna try and make it funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. Nobody I can lo- know my age. My I think BMI? it's good. No, I think it's good that the largest empire in human history and the most evil state in human history if you look just by sheer numbers of how much death and destruction this country has caused has all of the information from every area of our life i think it's good that they have all of that anyway i talked about how in the terms they can collect personal information data about your body if you look at the terms threads can also collect data about your web activity so your browsing history your web page interactions and threads also collects data on your location Um, threads has your photos videos Uh, recordings of a user's environment, and also IP address-based location information. And all of this, of course, can not only be collected, but sent to third parties who, those third parties, like, they're probably just mom and pop shops that want to sell you a cake pop for your birthday, right? Normal segue here. (laughs) Blocking the sun's rays with artificial particles in the name of climate change is gaining traction. It's called solar geoengineering, and the White House just released a new report on it. Um, this report was released just a day after the European Commission outlined the potential risks of geoengineering, saying, quote, deliberate large-scale intervention in the Earth's natural systems, which is referred to as geoengineering, is attracting more attention. However, the risks, impacts, and unintended consequences that these technologies pose are poorly understood and necessary rules, procedures, and institutions have not been developed. So at the same time, you have the White House like kind of formally addressing solar engineering, not for the first time, but for the first time in a little bit. Um, the EU is also formally addressing solar geoengineering and adding that not enough is yeah. understood about these interventions to deploy them yet. And I think it's like an obvious choice. If you're dealing with the sun being too hot, I mean, when cool you- Cool it down. You, cool it down. <laughs> Just put a big umbrella over it. Like, right, so- It's the first thing that comes to mind when you have a reflection on the TV- 
when you have a hangover, how do I blot out the sun? Mm-hmm. That's close the, the curtains. Yeah. Okay. So what's solar geoengineering? Well, let's take a step back for a second. So geoengineering is basically artificially engineering a climate of a planet. So solar engineering is obviously a type of geoengineering, and that's about reflecting sunlight away from the Earth to cool the atmosphere. So what the EU is looking into is a type of solar geoengineering. Wow, that's a fucking mouthful. (laughs) Called stratospheric aerosol injection, or SAI. And please, can we just say SAI for the rest of the episode? Because I don't think I can handle stratospheric aerosol What about pumping aerosols into the sky? Oh, so P A I T T. No, I think we can we can simplify it. Just be like, sigh. Say, so say's a great coffee shop. Bad vibes. What does that stand for? Great question. So, stratospheric aerosol injection or sigh is she hates it. (laughs) Is shooting particles into the stratosphere, and you're basically like spraying aerosols into the sky. So, here's how the Union of Concerned Scientists. Which is a great name. The Union of Concerned Scientists. Yeah. What a bunch of nerds. Oh, my God. And they just it's have like, like a, a furrowed brow at all times. <laughs> yeah. That's their logo. <laughs> Here's how the Union of Concerned Scientists puts it. Quote, SAI stimulates what happens during large volcanic eruptions, where volcanoes emit small particles into the upper atmosphere, which is called the stratosphere. These particles reflect sunlight and lead to cooling for as long as they remain in the stratosphere, which may be for a few years after injection. God, these tech billionaires, they love injecting us. Yeah, they love injecting. (laughs) Yeah, it's about reflecting the sun's rays back up to the sun. Yeah, yeah, basically like when you inject sulfate into the stratosphere, it cools it down. So it mimics the cooling that a large volcanic eruption would do because when a volcano erupts, Shit goes into the stratosphere too. And this isn't so new, like you said. Yeah, it goes back to the 1940s. It was discovered then. So we've had it. It's been around for decades. Um, Whether or not it's super effective is up for debate. Yeah, so the U.S. already has this in the works. Like there's there was a 2022 article from The Guardian saying, quote, the Biden administration is developing a controversial solar geoengineering research plan to the dismay of many experts. That was their headline. And then remember back in 2017, Harvard researchers launched this huge research program on solar geoengineering. So, okay, this was written in 2017. Ready? Quote, launched this weekend. First of all, why were they working on the weekend? It's definitely all interns and like graduate assistants who are like, I'm unionizing tomorrow. (laughs) Um, Launched this weekend, Harvard's Solar Geoengineering Research Program will investigate the safety of geoengineering as well as its environmental and political implications. The Union of Concerned Scientists that I mentioned earlier put out a piece in 2020 and they were like, we oppose this. It poses high environmental, social and geopolitical risks. So basically all the risks that it could possibly pose, this thing poses. What killjoys. Yeah, right. I mean, nerds again. But Uh, yeah, we can't get rid of the sun. I have all my money in sunscreen. You knew that would trigger me. And now (laughs) we have to talk about sunscreen. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Let me put that aside because I think this is actually more important. Tell us why blotting out the sun is a bad idea. (laughs) Well, the ecological damage that's going to be caused by the mining of this much sulfate for one. Okay. Um, But also, like... You're going to have meteorological imbalances like winds and torrential rains and droughts. And Yeah, I think it's interesting that the impetus for this in, in the EU and in the US is like the droves of migrants that they have entering the country. They're like, 
these are all climate refugees. Well, how do we stop the refugees? We're going to solve the climate crisis because of racism. But then if you yeah. alter the atmosphere somewhere, it goes totally wrong. Then you'll have cloud refugees. <laughs> like, I'm a sulfur cloud refugee. Like That would be so sad. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. It's really just going to make things worse. Like, sometimes the religious people are onto something. Like, there are certain things we probably should not fuck with. This is going to cause acid rain. Like, Acid rain has already decimated entire ecosystems because it kills plants. It makes soil hostile because acid rain like acidifies the soil because it's releasing aluminum in like really high concentrations that are toxic to plants. Mm -hmm. um, it also acidifies fresh water and makes it toxic to fish. So, I mean, like right now we aren't really pumping that many sulfates into the atmosphere. But if we do use SAI, SAI. The levels of acid rain like are gonna skyrocket. Right your now, salmon already seasoned. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you do need lemon when you're cooking salmon, but only at the end, or else it becomes bitter. It's like but, ceviche, in which case you need lime. But right now, acid rain, like we already have it, it's already an issue. It usually comes from like burning fossil fuels or like oil refineries and like car pollution or whatever. Um, and then also the rare volcanic eruption. But all of this shit like releases sulfur and nitrogen oxides into the atmosphere and if we use sai there's going to be way more sulfur and nitrogen oxides in the atmosphere and then also like it's probably going to lead to a fucking food crisis because there was a study out of the university of california berkeley that said that it's going to reduce the yields of certain crops so overall it's like not looking like a great solution mm. here's a quote from journalist and author will lockett under sai entire ecosystems could struggle or even entirely collapse and farming output could shrink drastically both can lead to extensive famines and the massive loss of human life. And so like, yeah, 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 it's bad for the environment, whatever. But it's also going to be kind of shitty politically because it's going to cause like these geopolitical tensions and disagreements about how we deploy it, where we deploy mm. it, the regulation, right? Because you're yeah. fucking with the sky. You're not just affecting your own country. You're fucking with everyone's sky. And like, yeah, maybe it'll cool the globe a little bit in the short term, but the adverse effects are going to be felt in some places more than others. So how do we make those decisions? And that just means that SAI can cause a lot of international tensions. tensions. What if it wasn't a spy balloon? It was a SAI balloon. <laughs> I hate myself for saying that. <laughs> I, you know, I loved it. So you make someone happy, you disappoint someone. <laughs> yeah. It all evens out in the end. What if Canada has been doing this the whole time? The skies have been orange. Canada would never even breathe without permission from the U.S., number yeah, one. Yeah. I know this is like just a news story. We don't want to like do a deep dive on geoengineering right now. But we will. Yeah, one day we will. But I just want to mention because this is an interesting issue because it's kind of a third rail. But not only is it bad for, you know, ecological reasons and political reasons, but it's kind of also bad for the vibes because it's like say goodbye to blue skies. Yeah. If you didn't want to live in Seattle, too bad. You're yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. No matter where you are, you're in, in Seattle. You're in London. It's hell. Yeah. Yeah. The Carnegie Institution for Science showed that releasing sulfate aerosols high in the atmosphere would scatter sunlight into the atmosphere. And this is going to decrease the amount of sunlight that hits the ground by 20% and make the sky appear more hazy and less blue. Here's a quote from Scientific American. Even remote, sparsely inhabited areas would lie under a whitish sky resembling haze that now blankets cities like Paris. And this mm. is fucking important to me. Sorry. It's not good I for like the my blue skies. Yeah. Also, like seeing blue things like skies and the ocean like reduces psychological distress. Like yeah. blue has a calming 
psychological yeah, effect it's not on the only human brain. Blue, but the I believe this there's certain ions that you get from the sunlight that mm. um that help with depression. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, natural blue light like helps regulate our sleep and wake cycles. This is what makes us alert and active during the day. It also boosts our mood. So, I mean, if we do this, not only is it going to be like acid rain central, but it'll just be yeah. like the whole world is on its period constantly. I think, yeah. <laughs> is no. that what you want? No, I think what they'll do is they're, they're going to be like pumping sulfur and Zoloft into the sky <laughs> and then it'll just yeah. rain down Create on Create the everyone. problem, solve the solution. Love it. But also PMS symptoms are mostly caused by a poor diet. Oh, is that Okay. So you can control that? Well, yeah. I mean, if your diet's like full of sugar, fat, and oil, and you drink a lot of coffee and alcohol, your PMS symptoms will be worse. (laughs) (laughs) Our new segment. This is a women podcast. Um, This is a women-owned business. (laughs) A very small business. Yeah. But I would say, you know, if you did want to reduce your PMSing, I would say boost the fruit and vegetables in your diet. You need that healthy fiber, bitch. Okay, but enough about that. I mean, everyone's heard this before, right? I mean, every podcast is segueing from PMSing into the military origins of geoengineering, probably. So enough of that. By the way, back in January, Mexico announced a moratorium on solar geoengineering. And they were basically like, hey, enough studies exist that show that this is going to have negative effects and unequal impacts and the center for international environmental law applauded mexico when they did this and they called oh. on all governments to take steps to Look, ban solar mexico geoengineering did something right everybody pay attention can you do it like mexico anyway so right now geoengineering is like being marketed as like a climate change solution but obviously i think this is a military thing you think it's a military thing, so yeah, they I could do. fuck up harvests elsewhere. Yeah, I do. Because, like, like, for years, any discussion about, like, geoengineering was dismissed and derided as, like, the chemtrails conspiracy theory. But the U.S. military used geoengineering on the Vietnamese people. They used it on the Viet Cong with rainstorms. They were, like, doing cloud seeding operations. The U.S. military flew planes overhead, sprayed, um, I think it was silver iodide into the air because they wanted to extend the monsoon season. They wanted to fuck with the weather, and they wanted to flood out the Vietnamese. Um, Shout out to Henry Kissinger, who largely directed this because he was Secretary of State at the time. This is, like, the first modern example that the public knows about, right? We don't know what else is going on, um, where the U.S. tried to fuck with the weather in a war. Yeah, it's a tool. Yeah. And you're going to use all the tools that you have. Right. Whether it's uh, pumping clouds or dropping bombs. They, yeah. Not only is it like a tool that exists in the universe and the military is like picking up the tool, but the military started this tool. You know? Yeah. You know, like obviously, you know, I don't have access to anything classified, but we do have like a couple examples of the military and intelligence community in the U.S. talking about this stuff. Like there's a 1996 document called, hold on, I have to find it because I can't just mention things without knowing what it really is. You're going to get accurate shit on our podcast, whether this you like it or not. investigative journalism. Is it? Outlet. Are we? No. <laughs> no, please don't I'm... hold us to that standard because we, we both spend about an hour a week on this, and that's I not fair. I definitely spend more than an hour. Um, okay, ready? Here's a 1996 document by the Air Force. It's called Weather as a Force Multiplier, Owning the Weather by 2025. So we're getting close to that deadline. Uh, And in here, the U.S. military, I'm not going to read it right now, but I've read it before. They basically, the Air Force is considering all the different ways that it can use weather as a weapon of war. And um, in 2016, uh, then CIA director John Brennan kind of made headlines in the alternative media because he was talking at the Council uh, on Foreign Relations. 
and he mentioned geoengineering and he said that this could potentially like you know help reverse global warming effects and he specifically mentioned sai and he was like this is how we can limit global temperature increases and it's like what do you think do you think the cia cares about the environment or do you think they're interested in a type of weapon to use against enemy yeah. states they're like we have thunderstorms on our <laughs> side watch out yeah it's just funny because it's like they obviously have way more lethal weapons but they're just like we, we, we just want to pump money into anything that's spooky as an intelligence agency what could be more covert than fucking with the weather Mm. you know what i mean at least when you assassinate someone there's sometimes there's a blood there's a weapon you have to clean off this but when you fuck with the sky there's no fucking evidence yeah there's this summer has been very rainy i'm wondering if it's a cia op (laughs) it's fucking hot though also an op (laughs) but yeah this is why um it's important to know about the environmental modification treaty because it's weak because it only prevents the military development of environmental modification. As long as a nation says they're doing this as like a peaceful thing, it's just weather modification yeah. for climate and not as a weapon of war, then they're not violating this treaty. We're just blotting out the sun in a fun way. But I, yeah, so, okay, but so that, this was, says- that treaty was signed after vietnam uh, after vietnam because yeah. they were like uh, it didn't work anyway so i guess yeah well, you guys can do it nobody can do it anymore because we tried it and it didn't work no i think it was i don't think it was that i think it was um the world saw what happened and they were like we need a fucking treaty and the u.s is like why not we'll sign it because we break literally every treaty we're party to this means yeah. literally nothing to us cluster this munitions means less yeah we this means literally nothing to us and like yeah it says you can't use it for military reasons but are we gonna trust the u.s to not use this for military reasons reasons like are we gonna trust the united states to follow international law yeah when it has decades of just not doing that like i don't know to me climate change is just the perfect excuse to like develop something militarily but yeah oh god i just can't imagine the republicans who now seize on like no we we don't have to reduce our emissions we just need to put up a you know put up a little umbrella over the sky Made of particles, sulfur particles, <laughs> SAI, sky. You got it. Something's coming here. Something's happening. Nothing is <laughs> happening. I don't have any more thoughts. So the, yeah, the alarming thing is that they don't have restrictions on, on solar engineering. So like any startup could be like, we have a great idea to blot out the sun. So make sunsets is a solar geoengineering startup. Yes, you heard me correctly. Um, But they're not flying planes over Vietnam like the US military was. They are sending out balloons into the air to release that sulfur dioxide. And they, yeah, they put two balloons over Mexico recently and then hit headlines and people are like, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. All these scientists are like, these people are idiots. This can't be Yeah, it has like a very like unorganized vibe to the company. Like apparently they got one of their sales slogans, sunscreen for the earth. Um, by asking ChatGPT to explain uh, geoengineering to a five-year-old, which like low-key not bad, like kind of, kind of, kind, kind of a brilliant good idea. <laughs> what was the slogan? Sunscreen for the Earth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but my, yeah, which is favorite. actually accurate in a way that they probably don't intend, because in the same way that sunscreen is catastrophic to the human body's ability. Yeah, we to... don't have time to get into okay. that, but we know your thought. You are on the other side of the sunscreen divide. The country is very divided between. People who believe sunscreen is good. and But anyways, this startup is like 
self care for the planet. It's like <laughs> so annoying. Yeah, Luke Eisman is the CEO. He recently announced to the world that he had released, like you mentioned, two weather balloons filled with sulfur particles uh, over Mexico. This was a publicity stunt meant to spark the conversation on geoengineering, and, and it boy, sure it did. did. People, yeah, like, a lot of articles these about fucking him. Fucking idiots, and yeah, 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 they just ruined it for everybody else. Now they're like, people are like, we really need laws, <laughs> so any startup can't just like drop some shit into the sky and change everybody's day yeah and the weather patterns yeah literally yeah it's insane how much freedom companies have but oh wait but did you see this quote he said luke said we joke slash not joke that this is partly a company and partly a cult yeah (laughs) love that for them beautiful uh way to be a startup um just yeah the belief is greater than anything that they actually do but the best part of this to me is that they were like just trying to be tesla like offer carbon credits for companies that emit greenhouse gases Mm -hmm. they could pay this company to release more balloons filled with particles and then they would you're like buying the right to pollute yeah, and you, these carbon credits are, you know, very generous from the U.S. government. That's why Tesla is worth so much money. It's <laughs> not because they're selling cars. They, they maybe will sell more cars than that will merit Dude, the valuation. Have you ever ridden but, a Tesla? Um, yeah, I like them. Oh my god, I hate, I get so nauseous every time. I was once in a Tesla for like two and a half hours, and it was literally the worst period of my recent life not including when somebody very close to me died this past january but anyway this company is financially backed by three venture capital startups boost vc draper associates and pioneer fund and lucky for me while i was researching this all three of these vcs are actually the same family so i only had to look into one family What's the family? It is the Draper family. So I saw Draper Associates. No, Tim Draper of Draper Associates um, is like, I guess, the most famous one now in 2023. But this is a family who's like super influential politically, economically, um, going back to like the origins of the United States. Hold on. I have something here that I thought you might find interesting. I think I brought something that I think you're going to like. Oh, good. Something visual for our podcast audience. (laughs) It's just for you. This is me trying to figure out the Draper family tree. Oh, damn. I literally spent an hour on this this morning. Wycliffe. Wow. We should maybe do like a bigger episode into this venture capital family another time. So I guess this is teasing that, but I am ready for when it happens. Oh, and I, no. it, it it was actually really hard to find out because you have to go. I was like reading like scans of like old documents like on yellow paper. I want to talk about the Draper family another time um, okay. because it's going to take too Can long. Can you give us the most exciting fact about them? Sure. Um, Wicklife Draper started the pioneer. Wick, his name is Wicklife. Wicklife? Wicklife? W- Wycliffe. <laughs> is it? Because it's I, not Y. Yeah. It's a weird spelling of Wycliffe. Wycliffe. Okay. 
Well, Wycliffe, Wycliffe Jean. The Pioneer Fund was started by Wycliffe Draper. The original mandate of the Pioneer Fund was to pursue race betterment by promoting the genetic stock of those deemed to be descended predominantly from white persons. This is literally a white nationalist extremist group. Here's a quote from the Southern Poverty Law Center about the Pioneer Fund. Today, the fund still studies race and intelligence, as well as eugenics, the quote-unquote science of breeding superior human beings. The Pioneer Fund has supported many of the leading Anglo-American race scientists over the last several decades, as well as anti-immigration groups. And this is one of the VCs that's funding Make Sunsets. And the other two VCs that are funding Make Sunsets are Boost VC, which is Adam Draper, and Draper Associates, which is headed up by Adam's dad, Tim Draper. And Tim... So, okay, so basically the family tree goes like this. This took me so long because um, half of the people in this family have the same name. Like half of them are William or uh, George. So it was hard to see like who's George II, who's George III, who's oh Wicklife Jr., all this bullshit. go all the way back to the 1500s? Yeah, like no. they came on the main flower. <laughs> so William Draper I was an admirer of Hitler, sponsored the first international conference on eugenics. Um, then his son was William Draper II. His son was William Draper III. And then his son was Tim Draper, whose son is Adam Draper. And then, so Tim Draper is Draper Associates, one of the VCs boosting makes, makes Sunsets. Then his son has another VC firm called Boost VC, which is also funding uh, Make Sunsets. And then the other VC funding Make Sunsets is called the Pioneer Fund, which is like the original venture capital firm. Wycliffe Draper, a founder of the Pioneer Fund, um, the original mandate was to promote the genetic stock of white people. His cousin is uh, William Henry Draper. He's called the grandfather of the venture capital industry. This is the guy who was the admirer of Hitler. He sponsored the International Conference on Eugenics. Then his son is Bill Draper. Then his son is Tim Draper of Draper Associates. And his son is Adam Draper of Boost VC. So what I love about this is that they are keeping it in the family. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then Tim's dad, Bill Draper, also has a venture capital fund. So they're all doing it. It's a family business. Venture capital family. Imagine how annoying they are on vacation. (laughs) So anyway, this is just something I I, I happened upon when I was looking into Make Sunsets. I don't know if there's a story there about Make Sunsets, but it did make me realize that I do want to one day look into this family and all of their venture capital pursuits. Yeah, that's really interesting. Crazy, right? Path Ventures, Boost VC, Halogen Ventures, Draper Associates, Draper and Johnson Investment Co., Sutter Hill Ventures, the Pioneer Fund, Draper, Gaither, and Anderson. These are all Draper family venture capital firms. That doesn't really have to do with geoengineering, but... Yeah, couldn't help myself. It is interesting that there's some overlap with the, you know, concerns about the migration crisis. And I mean, it's just too on the nose because like, <laughs> the yeah, the all the the impetus for for uh, all the excitement around solar engineering right now is because of the migration crisis. And, you know, people are just so worried about everybody becoming brown well, it is funny because Wycliffe Draper, his main interest was like the repatriation movements of black people in America to literally put them back into Africa. Oh, um, wow. He's, he's he was really like, get like these the black people racist. out of here. Yeah. Um, but when did he live? He lived. Let's see if we can forgive his <laughs> crimes. No, I'm kidding. That we would never forgive. Him. No, of course not. Born in 1891, died in 1972. 
Okay. Wow. Yeah, that was that's a little late. Yeah, loving versus Virginia was the the real loss for him, and people could <laughs> no, literally, get dude, married. literally. You're joking, but like he literally was pissed after Brown versus Board of Education. Um, so not only did he finance the quote unquote back to Africa repatriation movement, which was basically like get the fuck out of here, go yeah. back to Africa, don't get in um, this elementary school, get back to <laughs> Liberia. Yeah, he also. Uh, in the 60s sent money to the Mississippi State Sovereignty Commission to support racial segregation. He also um, was like one of the main opposers and financial backers of the opposition to the desegregation of schools that was mandated by Brown versus Board of Education. Damn, that's a real commitment to like, I yeah. do not want black children to, to learn. learn. He also donated a lot of money to the World Anti-Communist League. We do not like this guy. He opposed FDR's efforts to implement the Social Security Act. He didn't like JFK because JFK was talking it up with the unions. He goes hard. And, and I refuse to learn how to pronounce his name properly. Like, all right, Wycliffe. Wycliffe. But anyway, I guess just to tie up geoengineering, I would say, you know, it's coming under the blanket of climate change solutions right now, but I guess we just need to be aware of it but yeah it's just interesting that the white house and the eu are kind of taking steps towards geoengineering and even though the eu and the white house are you know separate entities we know in effect that um they do often move in lockstep and um even though the eu is uh warning against some of the unintended consequences the reason they're warning for that is because uh, we're moving towards it, right? Uh, so even though the EU is saying we need to make sure this is done properly, they're both considering having it done at all. And I think that's the real story. Okay, speaking of climate change, New York is putting in some new rules. The New York City Department of Environmental Protection proposed a regulation a few days ago that's going to require businesses with coal and wood-fired ovens to hire a professional engineer or registered architect to assess the feasibility of installing emission controls on the cook stove to achieve a 75% reduction in particulate emissions. So those emissions need to go down uh, by 75%. So obviously, New Yorkers are up in arms because this is going to affect pizza. Oh, no. Mamma mia. Hey, I'm emitting particulate matter <laughs> over here. This... <laughs> This is what New York is all about. It's, I need to. <laughs> this pizza slice might cost seven dollars, yeah, but like... it costed the earth a little bit more, and that's how you make good pizza. I don't know why $7. I'm going. In. Where I'm are going you? into Bernie Sanders? Um, <laughs> he did live in New York for a while, right? Yeah, he was from no, Vermont. His, but... Yeah, his accent is Brooklyn for sure. Where but... is he from? Brooklyn and moved to Vermont, or vice versa? From Brooklyn. Okay, yeah. I thought so. I knew I yeah, liked him. It, yeah. <laughs> oh, not a, not anymore because he just endorses Clinton and then Biden. But anyway, but yeah, now there's going to be like a race for Republicans and conservatives <laughs> to find like the most polluting piece of pizza. Like the pizza is going to yeah, be like, like as a as a political statement. Yeah, you're going to be pizza. putting like coal on the pizza. <laughs> yeah, this pizza is made with a coal crust. You have <laughs> lead paint chips as pepperoni. <laughs> And yeah. just arsenic sauce. These decades old brick ovens. They're a staple of, of New York City cuisine. The majority of New York City's like famous pizza joints have like these old ass ovens, like the oldest things you've ever seen before. And they look hard as fuck. Like they're literally brick ovens. They're gorgeous. Have you ever been to Defara's? Mm-mm. 
No. Gorgeous oven. Well, I have some complaints about pizza, but it is. <laughs> yeah, well, you're gluten free. Yeah. Gluten free, dairy free. So. Okay. So you can't speak on it, frankly. I'm going to turn your mic off for this segment because it's <laughs> yeah. just not even appropriate for you to speak on it. Anyway, this is going to affect mad businesses in New York and people are pissed. Coal and wood ovens, they reach a cooking temperature that gas and electric can't. Sorry, it can't. The pizza is going to be different. Um, and so people are like, this is going to ruin New York pizza. And like, this is just like the new ridiculous culture issue now. So like right wingers are like, you can take my pizza from my cold dead hands. (laughs) (laughs) One guy was like, uh, throwing slices of pizza at New York City Hall, like yelling, give us pizza or give us death. (laughs) Yeah. You're wasting all the pizza. That makes no sense as a protest. (laughs) No. Can I give you a quote from this guy? The guy that was throwing slices at the city hall. Our city schools produce the dumbest kids and the woke-ass punks who run New York shitty are afraid of pizza. Here, you do it because I want you to do it in an accent. Our city schools produce the dumbest kids and the woke-ass punks who run New York shitty are afraid of pizza. The world used to respect New Yorkers as tough, thick skin, and gritty. Now will you become pussified? Well, this is the New York <laughs> pizza party. Give us pizza or give us death. Okay, now picture someone throwing slices of pizza at City Hall. What does as this guy this- look like? I don't have a photo of him. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. But I did like how he had a critique of the New York City education <laughs> system. I'm like, good on you, bro. Like, I might. It's honestly. What, I might join. Yeah. If you boil this quote down to its essence, he's saying, this is what we're focusing on. Meanwhile, the actual infrastructure in this country and specifically in the city falls to pieces. Pizza's political now. Do you want to hear David Portnoy's take on the situation? I think he f- probably felt the need to weigh in because he has this series where he goes around and tries different pizza spots. So yeah, but he had I a mean, take. I feel like nobody's going to know the difference between the <clears throat> the brick oven and the... I think, that, I think that would be a great fucking segment to take all the people who are mad about this and like... And, and yeah, do a taste do a test. test. And honestly, I think you can tell the difference. But I'm willing to see. Like, I'm willing to uh, taste she's different She's a pizza pe- purist. You heard it here. I'm, I'm willing to <clears throat> do a blind taste test and see if I'm wrong, though. Do you want to hear Dave Pornoy? Yeah, let's hear it. Barstool Sports, coming in hot. Apparently, in New York City, some little liberal arts, Ivy League, pink-haired, crazy liberal. First of all, it's blue hair. Get the stereotype right. Oh, my. Purple hair. (laughs) I thought it's blue hair. Now purple hair. Blue hair hair liberal. Oh, goddammit. Never worth one day in the real world is on an environmental commission and they woke up from their little nappy poo, wherever that may be. And like, I figured. <laughs> Liberals take naps. That's the new thing. <laughs> he knows his fucking audience, dude. They're napping. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know what? Pizzerias use coal ovens. All the best. All the best. In this and. Just to give you guys like a, vi- a visual. He is as red as a tomato right now for whatever reason. Yeah. La-di-da-da person wakes up and wants to ban coal ovens? Are you kidding me? La-di-da-da. La-di-da-da. I just want to meet the, you know, guy who's going for his 3 a.m. pepperoni slice (laughs) who's like so drunk and he's like, 
spits out his pizza. He's like, what is this? Electric fired oven? Was this made by a reduction of 75% of particulate emissions? (laughs) Ridiculous. But there is a pizza company that started with the intent to be um, more earth friendly. But have you ever taken a bite of a hot slice and thought to yourself, I wish- I'm going to get diarrhea later. (laughs) Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Have you ever taken a bite of a piece of pizza and thought to yourself, I wish this sauce was ladled onto the dough by a robot? Yeah. I'm too many human hands involved in the making of this pizza. Yeah. Have you ever taken a bite of some takeout and thought to yourself, I'd sure be enjoying this more if AI was involved in planning yeah. the delivery route for getting this to me? Well, unlucky for you, the only pizza company to ever consider fulfilling those dreams has just gone out of business. Oh, no. That's right. I'm Let's sorry. pour some sauce out for Zoom Pizza, Z-U-M-E. Right. Because Z-O-O-M was, was taken. taken. The company has ceased in operations and liquidated its assets. Yeah. Every tech company needs to be called Zoom. Well, they were like, this is a different type of Zoom layoff. Neom is Zoom in Arabic. Okay. So about Zoom Pizza, this is a tech company you probably haven't heard of. It started as a pizza technology startup. Yes, pizza technology. You heard me right. And you may be thinking, why does pizza need technology? Well, it doesn't. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like, you know, injecting cutting at technology where the market really is not asking for it. This is a company that was founded in 2015 and they wanted to, quote, optimize the way pizza was made. And the company raised a total of $445 million over the course of its existence, which, of course, has just come to a close. Um, but this company basically promised two main things. One, pizza made by robots. So there would be robots in the kitchen preparing the pizza and that would make production faster ostensibly. Oh, that's good. Then you won't get hair in your food. Instead, you'll get like a copper wire. And two, pizza that was cooked while it was being delivered to the customer. So while the pizza's on its way to your house, it's cooking in a pizza oven that's in a truck. And ideally, the truck delivers you the pizza so you don't have to tip. And now you're selling it a little. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. You anti-tipping? Oh, no. Don't let my boyfriend hear that. I'm anti-tipping in the macro, but I tip high in in real life. No, I of course tip. But that could be a selling point. You're like, wow, there is really no human interaction. Yeah. And but they never really reached the perfect form of their company, right? Sorry. What? Sorry. I just read a text. Oh, my God. Don't get mad. Stop. Stop it. Shut the fuck up. It was one text. We've been here for over an hour. I looked at my phone once. Girl, don't you fucking dare make this a thing. Can you repeat what you just said, please, so I can react? I forgot what I said. God damn it. (laughs) All right. We'll never know. Yeah. So pizza is a $39 billion market. 40% of it is is the big players, Papa John's, Domino's, Pizza Hut. They thought they were going to grab a huge percentage of that market. Investors believe that these guys were going to take over, dominate the market. And that's why they had... A billion dollar valuation in 2018. Yeah, because they had a big TAM and they also had this like AI machine learning optimization marketing language around them. But in the end, 
why don't people uh, cook while they're in a moving car? Well, hot cheese, when you uh, try to cook it in an oven in a moving truck, <laughs> will slide around. But I guess that's nice. You have the experience of putting the cheese back on. It's almost like you made it yourself when it arrives at your house. But not only were they using mobile trucks, they were uh, piloting this in San Francisco. So the cheese was just flying down these hills i mean <laughs> you you'd be lucky if there was any cheese on your pizza when i got there so when they noticed this problem then they decided hey what if we park the trucks and then have people on mopeds deliver it and boom you're back to doordash <laughs> like yeah but instead of being in a, a professional kitchen you're now in a food truck so it's like the worst of both worlds somehow. Yeah, but they were investing in these new kinds of trucks. So that's where a lot of the money went. They converted a double-decker bus from London and named it Martha. But Jesus. like it couldn't even fit on their premises. Yeah, the bus is <laughs> such a, it has such a silly fucking look to it. Yeah, they, they made batteries and charging stations for the pizza trucks. So they're really trying to do a lot. They even uh, got a patent on the technology of cooking pizza while delivering it to the customer. Um, but to me, it's just like it's going to be too hot. A pizza should be cooked in a hot fucking oven and then cool down a little bit before it gets to you like i don't want to eat pizza right out of the oven so the idea of like driving it to the customer while it's in the oven and then it arriving at my door it's too hot you're like solving yeah. a problem that isn't there you're filling a need that no one had so one interesting thing about zoom that's different than a typical pizza company is we have just as many engineers as we have cooks so this entire side of the of the office is our engineering team we have app specialists, we have back-end specialists, hardware specialists. We also are doing all the programming of the mobile ovens because, you know, we cook our pizzas while they're being delivered. I hate her voice so and elocution. has to be coded and written, right. and that's all done here in-house by our engineering team. She has the fake real-time amusement at her own words as if she didn't know what was going to come out of her mouth before it but happened. I think you, we just need to learn how to talk like that to get people to give us money. <laughs> named all of the robots because that helps us to kind of like associate with them. So this is Giorgio, and then Pepe, Marta, and then Bruno. So... Alright, this is what I'm excited about right here. Yeah, you're not supposed to have favorites, but Bruno is definitely my favorite robot. Okay. Bruno has an important job. That's enough of that, I think. Yeah, the the only thing Italian about this company is the <laughs> robot's name. Bruno. Bruno. That's Pepe. You could I guess see they... Bruno beating Martha after hours. <laughs> what year was that video from? 2017. Okay. The, the year she left this company. Yeah. She was like, I see the writing on the wall. I'm going to get out. Yeah. Also, later in that video, um, they make a pizza with red bell pepper, cilantro, sesame seeds, and honey. And to me, that is just the least balanced no pizza i've ever heard of i mean I, for, I wouldn't do a pizza like that to begin with but if i was gonna do it it shouldn't be a bell pepper it should be like a jalapeno yeah or a chili pepper or even a cherry pepper anyway Ooh, i have no opinions on that slice <laughs> <laughs> well they're fucking cost cuttings bell peppers cheap as shit probably so also in 2017 uh jim kramer of cnbc does a puff piece on zoom let's take a listen oh yeah this shit's pizza <laughs> yeah. if you haven't seen enthusiasm for pizza <laughs> before well, this is that this is just jim kramer's shtick kind of like he's always does. at a hundred 
Everybody loves pizza, in part because it's very hard to screw up a pizza. I mean, even bad pizza still tastes good. But what if there was a better way to make and deliver pizza to you? Turns out there is, which brings me to Zoom Inc., a Silicon Valley-based startup that's trying to bring this industry into the modern era. They're best known for introducing robots into the production process for everything from uh, spreading the tomato sauce evenly to taking pizzas in and out of the oven and slicing it perfectly. Think about it. We automate everything else. Why not pizza? Mr. Gordon, welcome to Mad Money. Oh Good to see God. you, sir. It's okay, Alex. People don't know it here, but I want you to talk about the, not evolution, but revolution of this. Cheat Zoom. out, cheat out, cheat out. I'm looking at his fucking profile right now. We started with these incredible bake on the way trucks. They're actually the first bake of their kind. Bake on the way. Bake on the way. First of their kind. Bake on the way world they're not parcel trucks they're not food trucks they're food delivery vehicles and if you think about the huge explosion in scenarios that food companies are trying to address today this is the key to making automated restaurant on wheels with great taste yeah we always say to people it's like a restaurant with a rubber foundation that's about enough of that i think yeah so that's 2017 um but in 2018 we start to see the decline of this company they announced a move away from pizza that year and instead just became the platform for automated trucks. So the pizza thing, I guess it wasn't really working out and they announced that they're instead going to just license that automation technology. Um, Then they pivoted again to selling food packaging. Um, This is around... They just want to sell something. They just want a business. Um, So in 2018, towards the end of the year, they raised $375 million from SoftBank, and that gives the company a valuation of $2.25 billion. And this is them starting to focus more on, like I said, automation production and packaging for other food companies. So totally just throwing the pizza idea out the window at this point. Yeah, Um, because the pizza is falling out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, SoftBank huge, very famous, very influential venture capital firm. So yeah, the Vision Fund is the world's largest technology-focused venture capital fund. They have a couple like high-profile fails or like Mrs. Right, like Zoom, but there's so much money here that they also have like incredible wins. Fanatics, Uber, WeWork, DoorDash. Yeah, this Japanese guy runs it, Masa-san. He's really the face. Masayoshi-san. Masayoshi-san. Yeah. Actually, no, he's, he's Korean. A... No, he's not. Yeah, he's Korean. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, he's ethnically Korean. Oh, like, he's eth- like my mom. Like okay, ethnically Korean, grew up in Japan. Yeah, and know. yeah, yeah. This guy was like, "How do I work five minutes a day and become really rich?" So I asked my friends, "Isn't there a good job that I can earn ten thousand dollars in five minutes a day?" But still, my friend said, you're crazy, it's impossible, nothing like that. Do you want to sell drugs? <laughs> so I said, okay, what is the best, most efficient use of my time? It's invention. It's invention. Five minutes, if I focus, I can come some idea. I can make some idea. So I set alarm clock five minutes. And tick, tick, tick. Uh, in five minutes, I said, come, invention, come. <laughs> Right? So I did that. And it worked. It worked. You invented a machine that helped people translate languages? Yeah. That one was the electronic dictionary. The first one ever made was by myself. And you sold it to Sharp? To Sharp. And you made a lot of money? Yeah. Uh, $1.7 million. So what did you do with $1.7 million then? Well, I, I used 
to start SoftBank. So he did become an investor in a lot of risky businesses, and a lot of them are failures, but a lot of them were successes. This is a monster of Silicon Valley. Like he's like you. He said to Alex Garden, CEO of Zoom, like you're gonna <laughs> change the world, and I'm sure that's something that Alex Garden said himself, and Masayoshi Son saying it to him made all the difference yeah well so zoom pivots away from the pizza thing um to focus on automation for the production and packaging for other food companies and then in 2019 uh, a year after the money comes in from softbank they buy a plant-based packaging company called pivot yeah they were really taking this pivot seriously (laughs) Yeah. yeah um although there was a minor issue um this packaging could not legally hold food in some jurisdictions, including San Francisco, which is where the company was based, because P-fries. it contains PFAS. Per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. These are technologically advanced substances that are used in all sorts of things today, like pans that don't stick, things that don't break down, foams in fire retardants, clothes, things that don't stain. And so whereas normal substances might break down in a number of months to years in the environment and break down into their normal parts, these things stick around literally for thousands of years. And unfortunately, the science is telling us that these things can actually cause harm in living systems. But yeah, so PFAS like are, you know, it's chemicals. They're considered harmful to humans by the EPA. And the EPA is like notoriously like a very corporate captured agency. So if even they are uh, calling chemicals uh, harmful to humans, like it's not looking great. Yeah. Um, They're not as bad as the World Health Organization, which is like almost entirely captured by pharma companies but the epa is like you know like most agencies in the u.s you're dealing with regulatory capture where corporations influence these so-called oversight bodies like the environmental protection agency but anyway so you know this is zoom now like totally pizza's over and now they're just like trying to market themselves as this sustainable company you know plant-based packaging and like the marketing and all the investor relations stuff like use the language of sustainability like we're aiming to minimize food waste by using predictive analytics so it's like technology to help the earth Mm -hmm. right it's just like they're like slowly falling down but like as they're falling, they're like grabbing onto like almost anything they can. So yeah. like they're grabbing onto the automation stuff and they're grabbing onto the packaging. But of course, as we know, it didn't go so well. So they're done. They shut down because of insolvency. And to me, it's a good example of a tech startup failure because it failed for like some of the most common reasons that tech startups fail. It's like there's no need. You're not solving any problem. But yeah, the the way they sold it was just like, it's not a pizza parlor. It's a pizza plex. And oh, God. And yeah, they wanted to create a what's called a giga ranch a facility that would create meats and cheeses from plant-based things and boy did they they really were unfocused huh yeah they really lacked focus i would say yeah just like no one was asking for their pizza to be cooked by robots and not people like that does not help the customer at all but then again this is a popular thing happening uh, in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of companies that are like, we're a pizza tech company. We're a pizza yeah. tech company. And actually, there's SpaceX engineers that founded a uh, robot pizza company called Stellar Pizza. And 
the they when they <laughs> but they also have like problems related to their cheese <laughs> yeah. there's just like nobody can keep nobody the cheese can stop their cheese the fucking, from spreading <laughs> cheese is unwieldy it is not yeah you the ai can't deal with cheese it's just yet like we are not approaching the singularity okay so um what so was the company called stellar pizza and they had a demonstration that was across the street from spacex headquarters in california and uh the demonstration came to a premature end when Stellar's culinary C-3PO started hurling cheese everywhere. And so they were like hurling. People were like getting their faces covered in cheese because <laughs> this company was like, we figured out. Yes. Cheese. Yes. Yeah. And they were not even trying to be like an artisan pizza company like Zoom claimed that they wanted to be. They, right. they were like, we just want to be as good as Domino's. And they could not even do that. <laughs> and this, these are guys who make rockets. Wow. So making pizza is hard without humans. So yeah, it's like they weren't solving a real problem. And then also the product wasn't superior. Yeah. They really had to make it really good to break into the market and i combed through some of the yelp reviews and they are delightful Fuck they, yeah. i mean they fall into two classes there's people who are just really upset that a robot didn't deliver their food or <laughs> that it or the zoom truck didn't appear oh. like one guy was like the website made it look like the pizza would be delivered in a big red zoom pizza food truck our driver pulled up in a mini cooper damn <laughs> one star false advertising on the news they make it look like they're all coming in that big red truck oh yeah but they are not <laughs> they are coming on mopeds they're, they're just coming another on ghost kitchen basically there's there's pizzas and coming out of trunks but then the other class of review is they are wildly offended by the taste of this pizza they wow. these con these customers feel like zoom upset the natural order of things like they're like <laughs> how can you mess it up tastes pizza? worse than it's frozen thing keeping my family together yeah. right now is the shared love of pizza yeah one one review was like worst pizza ever my children hated it how can you make a pizza so bad <laughs> that children won't eat it oh my god it was that bad yeah because i read that it like wasn't amazing but i didn't realize it was literally bad like seriously how can you make pizza that bad this must be what pizza tastes like in hell. That's one of the Yelp reviews. <laughs> um, the entire topping layer comes off the bread. We talked about that. The box is cool, I guess. That was oh one God. review. This was the first time ever that I opened up some delivery food and the cat didn't even attempt to sniff it. <laughs> Wait, these they, are so bad. How... Did they fuck it up so bad? Yeah, they probably would have been better off like literally putting a frozen pizza from the grocery store in a box. Yeah. You're going to have quality issues when a robot is making the pizza. Yeah. Just have a guy make the pizza. Oh, well, <laughs> Michelle, you don't think about the future. <laughs> Sorry. And you don't, you're, you just doubt uh, big, big plans. Well, this is you an anti-big tech podcast. You his vision. I fuck with the vision. And I wanted to link and build, but the vision has shut down due to insolvency, despite all that capital injection from the vision fund. Yeah. And so here is our economy. And uh, we're but this is, you know, this is financialization, right? We're like, it's more and more about interest bearing capital instead of credit. And um, 
Yeah, and this I is mean, so... like, should we just talk about neoliberalism now? Like, is that what this is going to devolve yeah. to? No, I, yeah. I think that it's it's one of the features of the economy. Like, we're seeing this less and less, like, the boldness of the 2010s of, yeah. you know, pouring money into these, you know, napkin ideas that didn't really hold much water. We're seeing kind of the end of that, and we're seeing these companies go bust. But even though now a lot of that money is going to AI companies, and anybody who says AI next to anything, they're like, uh... Yeah, everything's AI. Yeah. Toothbrush, but it's AI. That exists, actually. But... (laughs) It's a mechanized toothbrush that will also like monitor the ways that you're brushing and alert you if you might have a cavity. I don't Can know. Can I look it up? Oral B's new two hundred twenty dollar toothbrush. Sorry, I it sounded like I asked while I was doing it, but it really took one second to type that in. Oral B's new two hundred twenty dollar toothbrush has AI to tell you when you're brushing poorly. Today, Oral-B launched its $220 Oral-B Genius X. (laughs) Yeah. The toothbrush connects an app on your phone over Bluetooth. When you start brushing, the app will show a timer of how long you've been brushing and guide you to where you should brush next. Oral-B says the toothbrush uses sensors to know when you're applying too much pressure or not brushing long enough in a certain spot, and then sends data from the sensors to the app. We're going to be like telling our grandchildren... In my day, I had to decide on my own if my teeth were being <laughs> brushed enough in a certain spot. I didn't now have just, the like, genius release a X. robot into your mouth, <laughs> swish it around, and spit it out. Yeah. This is an Oral-B's first connected toothbrush. The company released a Bluetooth-enabled toothbrush in 2014, which could be, quote, programmed with the help of a dentist. If you didn't like your dentist visit, twice a year well how about every night <laughs> he comes in and grinds he's in the toothbrush he's in the toothbrush <laughs> judging you for not flossing literally i mean now we're kind of getting into the idea of the internet of things which we will definitely be doing several episodes on eventually the idea that everything from your dishwasher to your tooth- toothbrush to your door lock to your baby's diaper will be connected to the internet this is something that the cia has long talked about openly we know this from quotes that multiple cia directors have made publicly as well as the director of national intelligence um but i mean obviously it's silly but it's also interesting right Mm -hmm. in a serious way yeah i mean this guy alex garden is just like i heard the last (laughs) days of the company like he was just like not at the office driving fancy cars around like that's what he (laughs) fuck it yeah he's like just fuck it (laughs) i mean this guy is an embarrassment now so um final thoughts um final thoughts oh i do want to say one thing in the last episode at one point i said marine corp instead of marine corps i just want everyone to know that i know it's marine corps and sometimes Mm -hmm. when i'm reading my brain like doesn't process what i should be saying and i just see the p and i I say it so doubt anybody caught that (laughs) i know that at least one person did because they messaged me about it. Oh, so. damn. Are you serious? <laughs> that's why I, that's why how I found out. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know it's Marine Corps. Okay. Um. <laughs> so that's my final thought. <laughs> Do you have any other final thoughts that are more interesting? Nobody can control cheese. It's just so funny that that's really where the tech stops. Yeah. They, they just haven't figured it out for all 
advances in um, in technology and science. Mozzarella d- destroyed a whole business. Well, this has been an amazing episode, a wonderful episode with a wonderful community. You can catch us on Threads, Instagram. <laughs> I did create a Cargo Cult Threads account. Oh, you did? I nice. did. Twitter. Thank you for handling the social stuff. Um, I appreciate we will. that. Have we posted anything No, yet? we okay. haven't. We're going to talk fine. about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to do it. It's just but, you're a perfectionist about it. You're I know. like, it has to be done exactly right. <laughs> Maybe. She's going to get so mad at me. Um, did you, what'd you post? I didn't post anything because I'm too afraid. Just run it by me. Anyways, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with who knows what. Well, there are a couple of options now. We could do SoftBank. We could do the Draper family. We could do the Internet of Things, although I need time to focus on that. Because yeah, I, I want another fun episode. <laughs> this has been fun. Love you guys. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.